0: Hey everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders.
1: Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for another exciting episode. This episode is The Art of the Short Story Part 2. We will explore some advanced features of short stories, such as point of view and taking twists and turns as we begin with a workshop activity. We want to let you know that if you did not hear Episode 1, please visit our website and look for Episode 61, Art of the Short Story Part 1. Put on that tinfoil hat to stir up your creativity as you join your fellow bibliophiles at Writing Works Wonders. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Hey, Kathy, and my fabulous co-host, too.
0: Master of the universe, master of the (laughs) Websites. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad we're all here together.
1: So our topics that we want to cover today, I'll just give you an overview. Is a brief recap of part one. Then we're going to talk about getting started with short stories, where we have a writing exercise. Then we'll do that piece about twists and turns, which way will we go? And then we also want to discuss point of view along the way and strategies to cultivate new stories. So that's where we think we're headed But as you know, with Writing Works Wonders, we could end up in many places along the way. So a brief recap of part one of the art of the short story. We talked about the many places that we find short stories to listen to and read, different genres of short stories, authors of short stories, and also anthologies of them. We also talked about finding opportunities to publish our short stories in anthologies and also paying markets. We included a few suggested books about writing short stories. All of this is available in episode 61, the complete recording, and it's available on the website with show notes, and it has a link to the resources we mentioned. You may also listen to it on, of course, Lady A, Google Home, ACB Media, and any of your favorite podcast applications. If you listen to that, this will make more sense but you can also just start here with us. Let's get started. The first question I have, and Cheryl and I will start off, and then we'll open it up to all of our participants. So be thinking about how you would approach this as well. We're so glad all of you are here to enjoy this interactive discussion with us as we do this together. We discuss some of the strategies people might use to facilitate short stories or begin to craft one, right? How do you initiate a short story? But let's review that sometimes it's important to have your own way to be able to do that. Everybody can approach this differently. So we don't want to put it in a box and say, here's the formula. That's what we're trying to get at. Carol, we've heard from several people on the show about how the writing prompts can grow into different forms of short stories or flash fiction, or even poems, how would you suggest that somebody might use a writing prompt as a basis for a short story? You know, we've put out this writing prompt book. How might that happen?
0: In our prompt journal, we do something similar to what we're doing every week. Certain amount of words, certain amount of lines. It gets my thought process going. Sometimes I know what I want to say, But I need a moment to process, to think. Sometimes just a simple
1: little word, a sentence, I can run with it. That's how I use prompts. And I think everybody else can. Great. And it might be that a prompt might just get you started for the day. Or it might be that one of them occasionally sparks a story to start. And it carries you away with it.
0: Yeah. Like you said, in
1: the morning... Hello, world,
0: here I am, and we just start writing.
1: So we want to hear from other folks, but first, I'll share my experience. The way I've started writing short stories, because as many of you know, writing fiction is something that I've just started in the last six months. My experience has been nonfiction for 25, 30 years. So I drafted my manuscript and created this whole story world that I can see going into several different volumes. In this sci-fi story world and then i backed up and i thought what about creating a short story initially to get that out in the world and so i already had the story world created what do i mean by that what is the setting what is the spaceship like who are my characters what are they doing what are their personalities etc etc and so i picked up that same story world and i didn't pluck out a chapter or create a sequel or anything I created a new story from beginning to end about those same people. And we kind of kind of have done this before when we did a thing on fan fiction, so it's like dropping into Batman or Batgirl and saying write a little story about them. So you're using that existing world and you just pick up the characters and you start writing. So I had to think about several different things to make that happen. What would be a challenge for them to take on? And then How do I make it compelling from the beginning so people want to read it? And, oh, my goodness, I have to resolve this whole thing within the specified amount of space of where I want to submit it. For me, I kind of feel like I maybe went backwards (laughs) in the process. I created this whole extensive world over, you know, thousands and thousands of words. I forget how many. Yeah, it's like 70 or 80,000 words. And and then I said, oh, what about a short story? (laughs) But I used that universe to create my little short story. And so that's a whole nother different approach. Do we have any hands raised, Chanel? We do.
2: And first up is Anthony Corona.
3: I've written over 400 short stories and I'm very dialogue based, but when I'm writing a short story, it either starts for me in one of two ways I'll hear a piece of dialogue in something, a book or a show that I'm watching, a movie, whatever it be, and it'll spark an idea in my head. And then I'll create a whole story around it. Not using those specific characters and that specific dialogue, but what that inspired in my head, the story that it created in my head. Or I'll take a situation in my head and before I write a short story, I fantasize it all out in my head. I create the characters, I create the world, I create the beginning, the middle, and the end, what I want to happen based upon the situation I'm writing for. And then I start writing, knowing that world, sort of like you did with with your sci-fi cast that you're doing. I create that world in my head and as I'm writing, I kind of filter in what do I want the audience to know and when. And sometimes I'll go back and edit because I, I don't like to drop too much information, especially I do a lot of mystery. So I don't like to drop too much information that's going to give away where the story is going. It's it's very much, for me, dialogue and situational-based. Thanks.
2: We have four raised hands. So first up is Amy. I think I'm
0: similar to Anthony in the way that uh, I approach the writing. For instance, when you gave the prompt with the Jeep, All I could think of was what goes wrong with Jeeps. So I wanted to research the issues that Jeeps have. What would possibly make a Jeep break down? Also, what kind of goats do they have in St. Thomas? So what kind of goats do they have there? And why would these goats be there? Just all the scenario around it. What time of year is it? Is there a pregnant goat? Is it like what's going on? And sort of fantasizing, like Anthony said, of what is happening. And trying not to, like, you don't use all your research information, but to have sort of that backup is nice to have in your head to understand what you're going to write.
1: Excellent points. I think both of you are describing, both Anthony and Amy have drawn out the point of uh, envisioning, visualizing, playing out in your mind what's going to happen and, and kind of getting a mind's view of how this is going to play out before you start writing perhaps to some extent all of us as authors do that to different extents but to some extent knowing where you're headed especially in a short story because you don't have a lot of room to wander they are outlining in their heads i didn't want to say it thank you cheryl <laughs> for those You're that listen welcome. to us, the, you know that I'm the master of outlines. <laughs> so, yes, absolutely, they are.
2: Are you ready for more hands? Yes, thank you, okay. Chanel. Okay, first up, we have Jane.
4: I love your short story write it prompts because I don't do very well at them. I think it's important to use an outline, but to know the outline may turn right around and say, no. If you want this outcome, you're going to have to change the outline. I totally agree with you.
1: And that's where my nickname of Master of the Universe partly comes from. It comes from a whole shtick I do on writing that we're using the outline. But because we are master of the universe as the writer, we can change that outline to what we see as needed. We are not restricted by it. Keep you on track to Mm -hmm. where you ultimately want to go. Give you structure. Thank you, Jane. Marlene. Marlene. Hello.
5: I started writing novels. Then I was taking some self-study courses with creative writing now. I took some of my story characters that I knew from my novel, my series characters, and started writing some of the prompts with them as short stories. And then, lo and behold, I ended up with several. And so I had this brainstorm of putting together a short story collection to go with my novel series with the characters and so now I've got about 15 uh, collected so far and still working on it and hopefully maybe next year sometime
0: I'll get that out thank you oh how wonderful great
5: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now this is not a ram robin we're going to do a verbal group exercise doctor Henry is a pediatrician. He works very hard on a daily basis to keep his true identity a secret. What do you think happens next
2: or what can you do with this? First up we have Annie Chapetta.
6: Hey everyone. I would probably ask some questions who is this character? Why do they have a secret life? What purpose does this secret life make for them and why? You know, what purpose does it serve? Maybe I would go into working in some scenes around uh, some soft conflicts. There's a close call about this person's hidden identity coming through or be frustrated with trying to, trying to live two lives, things like that. So I would flesh out the story that way and write some scenes and see where they fit together use a loose outline but also keeping in mind supporting personalities would come into play you know like anthony said i would try my hand at some dialogue kind of sprinkle in a whole bunch of different things and see what works so you're giving us insight into
1: the process that you would use to kind of discover and see how this would play out and you would explore who he is
6: yeah Excellent. for me that Thank that you. works for me i don't know if it works for anybody else but right. that's what works for me
1: yeah That's really helpful. Thank you. Sure.
2: Next up, we have Jane Tolino.
4: Dr. Henry, I don't remember if he said a last name, worked very hard every day to keep his identity a secret. Dr. Henry, the pediatrician, looked like a child himself. Mm. That's where I would start. It would connect the pediatrician with the children, the population he served. Why would he keep a secret? Because he really is a child, mm. and his cover is scrubs, is a stethoscope. So that's what I would do to start. Next, Next up, we have Carol
2: Mackey.
7: I I want to read that story when she finishes it. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want I want that one. And the road I would go in is developing the what who he really is, how he keeps it hidden, but then there's a story in there, and that they begin to the two uh, his pediatrician job and his other job, which may be a secret spy. Who knows where he goes? But <laughs> then have that those two worlds clash or interact, and you go down that road. And of course, the, since I write poetry, I'm immediately trying to write. A poem around
1: that so there we go <laughs> dr henry secret life in a poem
2: next up we have tabitha my wow. first thought was Doctor Henry's <laughs> secret identity is that it's the early 18th
1: century, and he is actually a woman. And the only way that she can practice medicine is to pretend to be a man. So, ah, thank you, excellent, yeah. excellent. Geez, yeah. I wonder where that came from. I know, really, that surprises uh-huh. no one. <laughs> yeah,
0: go with what you know. What happens if we change the point of view? And where can we go with it in that
1: respect? So one of the things would be, you know, point of view could be we're telling the story from first person point of view, where it's Dr. Henry's voice. And it might be Dr. Maggie Henry, or it might be Dr. Henry, or whatever, you know, whatever name. And it could be a man or a woman that people have pointed out, but they're telling the story through the eyes of the main character. So that would be one point of view of telling the story. But another opportunity would be from an outsider looking at Dr. Henry and telling the story from that perspective. They're watching, they're seeing what's going on there. That's a very different vantage point. One has the inner dialogue when it's Dr. Henry telling the story and the outside is narrating the experience. And then we have some other options as well, but those are two very familiar Points of view that are very dramatically different. So let's see what other points of view we can get.
2: So let's go to Anthony.
3: I was thinking originally that um, Dr. Henry is an elf and part of a network of millions of elves around the world. <laughs> so if I were going to change the perspective, I would actually tell the story from the point of view of Mrs. Claus at the North Pole, who's been tasked with overseeing all of the elves around the world. And the elves are pediatricians and teachers and things. And that network is what actually tells Santa Claus every year who's been naughty and who's been nice.
1: (laughs) Excellent. So that kind of takes in that might be along the line of the all knowing third person.
3: a little bit or or explaining how the all-knowing actually is all-knowing and a little bit yeah. of that magic that, you know, elves and, and spirits mm-hmm. and fairies actually walk and live among us.
1: Yeah. But in, in the literature, we actually have a point of view called the all-knowing. Yeah. So yeah. That, that works lovely and with your magical piece of it, too, because you get to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah.
2: So now let's go to Carol Mackey.
1: Yeah, what, what occurs
7: to me is from the point of view of one of the patients, whether the doctor happened to be man, woman, or both, perhaps two siblings, that they're, they're patients and what their experience is, or else maybe it's a whole group of patients. Maybe the patients are coming from a school or from a, or an orphanage um, and what their experience is with this, with this doctor, or
1: it could be another one of his secret identity things. all could get really tangled. Very interesting point of view. Yes. A specific Mm -hmm. third person onlooker, not just a narrator sort of guide relationship. Dave
2: Trevino.
8: Well, somebody stole my uh, idea about having a different third person tell the story, a person who was not all knowing Mm -hmm. another character looking at the main character. And that way, he doesn't He doesn't know everything, so he can't really guide you through what's happening. He can discover it along with you. Henry could be, and this is dating me a little bit, Dr. Richard Kimball, although how he could uh, establish his pediatric credentials and still remain a fugitive is something I haven't figured out
1: yet. <laughs> yeah, in this day and age, that would be tricky, wouldn't it?
8: it? It would be virtually impossible, I think. Yeah, that that was uh, that series was back in the '60s. Uh-huh.
9: So you,
8: uh, we weren't as informed about everything as we are today.
9: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you so much. Now, Thank you.
8: I didn't get to comment on the how to start a story.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot
8: of times, I'll ask myself, "What if?" and that's a springboard to all kinds of things
2: we have Abby Taylor
10: well I like the idea of Dr. Henry actually being a woman but I was thinking more along the lines of transgender with all this homophobia going on he's identifying he's, he's a man physically but he's identifying as a woman and I would tell the story Amen. from his first person point of view to kind of get the reader into the moment I think that it, it's a very effective tool especially telling a story like this where you want to get inside this guy's or women's head, whoever he or she is, to to tell the reader or to show the reader what he slash she is thinking as she's working. People are thinking that she is a man when she's actually a woman. So that's how I would take it.
1: Great opportunity to provide a narrative, a story for people to understand the experience and and also uh, advocate for greater understanding. Yes. And Kim... I'm thinking the point of view would be
11: this doctor works at a teaching hospital. One of the doctors under him is sensing that this doctor has some kind of healing power. Ooh. He's a doctor's superhero. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> the student is tempted big time to let, it, let the news out. But, and so the story would be, should he do it? Why shouldn't he do it? what situation would come up that would make up the, the student's mind.
1: What mm. terrific ideas. My goodness, Cheryl. huh? <laughs> this is great. Yes. So We have another exercise for you folks. One of the things that we can do when we start writing a book or a short story is thinking about a synopsis or even shorter than a synopsis. Some people call it a log line. And in our life experience, some of us might remember TV Guide, but most of us know Netflix and Amazon Prime and different streaming services. They have a description of an episode of a series or a short description of a movie, right? So that little two or three sentences that describes what's going to happen in that show, what is it that you'll see, but it doesn't give away the ending. It tells you who the characters are and where things are generally going. So the log line for maybe Romeo and Juliet would be something like cross-starred lovers caught between two dysfunctional families in such and such a period of time. So that would be the log line. We wanted to give you a chance to just think for a couple of minutes and consider something that maybe you've been writing as a story story that you could work on as a short story. Maybe a writing prompt that you thought, oh, wow, this would be fun to go further with. Or maybe it's an idea that you've had or a memoir piece, a journal piece that you would think would be fun to extend further. And what would that short two little sentence log line be that describes that future short story that you would write? You're not committing to writing it. We're not holding your feet to the fire for it by any means. We're just going through the exercise of what what would a log line be like for you if you created a short story. Take one of the ideas that you have. It might be the one that we just did with Dr. Henry that you flesh out your idea or what you heard somebody talking about. It might be something else you're working on. This is your opportunity to dream and spread your wings a bit. Uh, each of us draft a little log line, two or three sentences, who's in our little short story, where is it headed, but don't give it away. And we'll just take like a minute and a half to do that. Okay? If you'd use whatever device or in your head or whatever you want to do to develop that. But we'll have a little 90 seconds of silence to be able to think and draft these.
0: Anyone listening in? Please feel free to join us.
2: First up, we have Marlene.
5: Okay, first I have a question. Is a logline and a tagline the same thing?
1: A uh, tagline usually is just a phrase. Loglines usually two or three sentences. In my experience, a tagline is used as a marketing piece.
5: Okay, thanks. This is an idea that I have for a novel, actually, and my dream is to submit it to Harlequin Love-Inspired Suspense. Anyway, shooting. Now she was on the run with a stranger. Jody Preston wondered how she got into this predicament. She didn't know if she should trust him, but her dog did. The end.
1: Whoa. Thank you. Thank you for that example, Marlene. You see how she pulled us in immediately with that description? Wow. You want to click and listen or pick up that short story and read it right away.
5: Next up, we have Carla Hayes. I didn't get to weigh in on the one thing, which was point of view, one that I am using in one of my short stories is second person point of view, because I feel that that draws a person in. And that's what I'm going to do with this pediatrician. So what I did for my log line was, by day, you are a pediatrician, but you cannot let anyone know your true identity. That of the official from Planet Clorg, who is tasked with shaping the next generation of Planet Earth. Your position as a pediatrician will give you an excellent opportunity to accomplish your planet's noble objective.
1: So that's what I've got. Thank you. Thank you for bringing in the alien. Thank you. I've been reading too reading... much science fiction. <laughs> There's never too much. Okay. <laughs> All
2: right, and then Pam.
7: My synopsis is this: Doctor Henry gets a note
11: on on Friday. Come with your go-getters and help us find the mayor and his wife at, in our little town. Last time we saw them, they were canoeing down the river. Whoa!
4: Thanks.
11: Wow.
2: <laughs> and Anthony.
3: This is a novel. Uh, that it's an idea that's been in my head for years that I actually started writing about three months ago, so the <laughs> the log line would be this on his twenty fifth birthday, David was presented with the surprise of surprises, memories of hundreds of past lives that he would have to sort through and find out who he really is and what he's really meant to do.
7: Thanks, <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> Next up, we have Carol Mackey.
7: The thing that occurred to me was, what do we use for titles? Because that's also to
1: get people into what you've written. Very good observation. Thank you for that. Thanks, Carol.
2: Next up, Abby Taylor. After Abby is Calandra. Okay, well, I uh, have an, an
10: idea for another novel. I'm not sure... How, what kind of direction I'm going to take. I have, I know how it's going to start sort of, and I know how it's going to end, but I'm not sure how to get from point A to point B. So I'm running it through what's called the snowflake method, which is Mm -hmm. a way you can outline a novel so that I don't just start writing and then end up painting myself into a corner. So, and Mm -hmm. the first step of this method is to create a log line. So my log line is this in living vicariously, Amanda falls in love with a nun and leaves her family and her husband and their two children, ages 11 and 15, must deal
1: with the consequences. It's going to be quite a story when you figure out (laughs) the middle there. All sorts of possibilities embedded in there.
2: And your last two hands are Calandra and then Dave Trevino.
1: Great.
9: Yeah. Well, my first title would be Melody and I would uh, start that off as a novel and it would be about a young girl who is living with her mom and then later on he dies in a coal mining accident and then um, Haley and Melody start preparations to move away to another town. Haley is trying to do her acting career, but leaves Melody with a family that really doesn't appreciate her very well. And the only ones that do are Sarah and Carrie and uh, May, who is her death cousin. Calandra, yeah. your logline line would kind
1: of summarize that. And pose it as your main characters coping with a variety of complex family decisions.
9: Yes, that's basically it. I got that book idea from V.C. Andrews. Yes. He wrote a book called Melody. Thank
0: you.
2: Very good.
3: The Logan Family Series. (laughs) Oh, yes.
4: Yes. Yes. Yes
2: all right next up is dave trevino
8: when three convicts who can't get along with anybody are consigned to an asteroid orbiting mercury they must either work together or die but a discovery turns their world on its head
1: there you go (laughs) not only
8: do i want to hear that
3: story i want to hear dave reading it
1: Why don't we try this? Okay, we wanted to see if you wanted to share ideas about cultivating and capturing your new story ideas. As you come across ideas that you want to create into stories or poems or whatever, how do you go about cultivating and capturing them so you don't lose hold of them? We've talked about it before, but Cheryl and I thought this one bears repeating frequently because we Mm -hmm. learn so much from each other. And then also, if you have any questions about what we've been talking about or want to talk about something further, this would be a great time to do it. So either one of those.
2: First up is Anthony Corona.
3: I journal, 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 journal. So when I have an idea, I journal it out. And if I have an idea about something that I'm working on and I'm in the middle of something else, I quickly send myself an email just to remind myself later on so I don't forget that idea. So those are my Mm -hmm. two tips.
11: Thanks.
5: Next up, Marlene Massat. This is not rocket science, but create a document. <laughs> Title your document, Story Ideas. When you get an idea, an inspiration, <laughs> something, even a word, write it down. Years later, when you go back to the thing, you're going to say, oh, my God, I had an idea for that. I can write this story now. In fact, I just finished a story that I started years and years ago and recently completed it. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Congratulations.
11: (laughs) Alice? Thank you. I think one way is to capture a real setting in one's mind and hold it until one has a story to go with that setting that's really appealed to someone. And that's what I was thinking about with your prompt Today, I went back to the earlier mid-1950s to a pediatrician's office where in the reception room, waiting rooms, and examining treatment rooms were all knotty pined walls. And on every wall in each of those rooms was a cuckoo clock because the doctor, who's not Dr. Henry, but another doctor, had a huge collection of these cuckoo clocks. And just by capturing That setting in my mind, although I'd never want to write about that doctor in the real doctor sense, who he really was, allowed me to think of at night those cuckoo clocks, the cuckoos coming to life and telling the story from the perspective of the cuckoos that observe all that is going on throughout the day in the doctor's office. So capture a setting and hold it until you have a story to go along with it. Thank you.
1: Thanks. I love that. Thank you. Oh, that's fun. Yes. They talk to
2: each (laughs) other. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then Annie Chappetta.
6: Hey, everyone. I have one piece of advice. If you have an idea, get it down uh, any way you can, whether it's, you know, voice notes or writing a document. And then trying to just write some scenes or some action of events based on the idea. It could be like just one minors, you know, the guy walked into the room and opened the door and saw the dog, you know, but try to keep that momentum and and try to get some settings and scenes down. And then it kind of just really helps me get back to the piece if I've put it down. Uh, A lot of times I don't go back to an idea for months, but having that information really just, you know, rekindles the creativity. That's my advice. Thanks.
0: We are going to be on Sunday edition at 1 p.m. this Sunday with Anthony Corona. So listen in for Kathy and Cheryl with Anthony and our prompt for next week. I think you guys will like this. 75 words or less. Here are your words. Frog, turtle, dragonfly, butterfly. 75 words or less. Have fun. And I'll turn it back over to Kathy.
1: She comes up with the greatest writing prompts, doesn't she, folks? Thank you, everyone, for such a wonderful episode. This is so terrific, such a helpful workshop, I hope, for all of you because of your participation and because we get to learn from everybody on our calls. Next Friday is Memorial Day weekend, and we will not be having a live Zoom call. We hope you enjoy yourselves, and if you're looking for some wonderful writing ideas, check out the website, go to your favorite podcast application, or visit ACB Media, and you'll be able to listen to previous episodes of Writing Works Wonders on June 3rd. Can you believe we're coming into June? June 3rd, Brian Freeman will be our guest author. He's a New York Times bestselling author of Thrillers. Don't miss this tremendous opportunity to discuss his work and learn from Brian Freeman.
0: Brian is the author who's taken over uh, Robert Ludlum's Bourne series, so
1: we'll get to hear about that as well. June 10th will be our first ever Writer's Chat. Bring your questions and we will put our experience and thoughts together to provide support for one another, an opportunity for writers new and experienced to share their questions and strategies all here on writing works wonders be sure to visit writingworkswonders.com for these show notes resources and all our previous episodes above all else we want you to be encouraged inspired and enjoy the wonders of writing we look forward to being with you next time Thank you for joining us today
0: on writing works wonders kathy and i are thrilled to spend time with you a tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show you can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com it'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today then you can sign up to receive the zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording you can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to the technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing.
7: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.